Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, this is Jeff Cohn here with another episode of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders from across the country. Today, I have a very special guest in Mackie. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce her last name. I'll let her do that for herself. But she is a neighbor of ours, hailing from Kansas City, just two and a half hours away. Mackie, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, why don't you share with us first and foremost why you're here today and what your superpower is? Okay, well, I'm here today because um, uh, to help people upgrade their mindset. We are, as high-achieving type A people, a lot of whom are in your industry of real estate, uh, really prone to a lot of things that can help us find success, but at the same time, can get in our way. And things that we do will work for us for a while until they stop working. And I have a lot of experience with that personally. And there's some pretty cool ways that you can overcome that pretty quickly with the right kind of guidance and uh, mental tools to get through that. So hopefully we're going to talk about some of that today and help the people who are checking out your podcast if they feel like they need that. Do you think we could set up a call maybe every week for about an hour and a half? <laughs> do you have a That's sofa what I do anywhere? as a coach, you know, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll get into that later and how people can reach out if they want some one-on-one guidance and what resources you provide. So before getting into it, let's talk a little bit about your past. I was asking uh, you before we got on air about your previous education experience, and it sounded like you had an undergrad in biology. Yes. Which is impressive. And I don't know if you knew what you would do with that once you got it. A lot of people like go into biology, become doctors. Mm -hmm. And you chose to go into genetics. You said you got a master's degree in genetics. I did in genetic counseling specifically. Yeah. So um, I grew up in Manhattan, Kansas, which is where Kansas State University is. So academic academics, our high school was super amazing as far as like choices for classes. I actually got to take human genetics in high school, which is where... I first learned about it and I thought, you know, this is really, really cool. And I have zero idea what professions exist in the world where you can actually do something with this. Um, And I didn't want to do research. I didn't want to be stuck in a lab. So I did some research and heard about genetic counseling. And I thought, this is perfect. I get to learn the science and I get to interact with people, which is what I really like to do. And I thought that's what I would be doing, you know, but as I went to school and saw that there was all this buzz around personalized medicine and genetic testing was really becoming like a big option for people. I thought it might be kind of cool to take this knowledge and use it in some other way. So I only ended up being a genetic counselor for a short period of time before I went into corporate and worked for a healthcare IT company. Okay, interesting. So within the healthcare IT world, were you doing any type of genetic counseling? I wasn't doing genetic counseling, but I was using my knowledge. So the company I worked for was building software to support laboratories that did genetic testing. And as you can imagine, genetics almost has its own language. It's probably the same way that real estate kind of maybe has a lot of its own lingo. Mm. And it is really hard for the average salesperson to go into a lab where everyone's a PhD in genetics or you know has a biology background and talk to them about what they need the system be- to be able to do. So I was kind of like that 
mediator, that middle person, a bridge. I understood what they needed. I could translate that to an engineering team. And then because it was so esoteric, then I started getting invited to do everything. Go on the sales trips, do the marketing. Do I kind of became like a jack of all trades. So it was really fun, to be honest, for a few years until I decided to leave behind being a subject matter expert and went more into the management and business path. Mm-hmm. And very quickly realized like, uh, nope, this this is definitely not it. What's genetic counseling? So genetic counseling is a... You're part of an interdisciplinary team of medical professionals, but you have very specific expertise in understanding the heredity and biology of certain diseases and how you can test and diagnose and identify treatment options through testing, or you can identify hereditary risk through testing. So genetic counselors are the ones who understand all those intricacies and know what red flags to be looking for, know what conditions to be on alert for, and are actually relaying that information to the patients and their families. Um, So a lot of the time when somebody comes in for genetic counseling, they're pretty freaked out. I mean, you can imagine like somebody telling you, you got to see a genetic counselor. It's like, holy shit, what's happening? Like what's wrong, right? There's a a bit of a fear factor. Why aren't we starting with that when I'm one years old? Why aren't they plugging my genetics in and saying, hey, you are, you know, you're most likely to get these issues if you eat these foods and have these types of activities. So here is your formula to having the best success based on your genetics? Well, it's a not exist when healthcare is a multi-trillion dollar industry because of people yeah. being sick. You'd think they would start everybody off in a different way. But the way I see our society, at least if you grow up in the United States, we're all eating processed foods and all the commercials and all the media yeah. and everything we see is McDonald's and quick, quick solutions. And yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Unless it's a great question. Your opinion. <laughs> yeah. It's a great <laughs> question, but I think you know, it, it does speak to the fact that um, for people outside of that field, there is an understanding that genetics is somehow deterministic. And sometimes it's closer to being deterministic than not, but it, there's so many intricacies to the way that you interact with your environment, what other modifying factors may be present in your DNA, where you could test positive positive or test as if you should show up with a particular condition and then not have that happen. Hmm. So as we've done more and more work around like the human genome and we've sequenced people, people's whole genomes and have been able to look in there and and see like, hey, what do we find? Uh, When I was at the company I was at previously, we did some of that. There were were people, um, PhD researchers and doctors and stuff that were doing some of that being parts of studies. And we would have these fascinating conversations because I remember one in particular, he came to me, a physician and said, you know, look at my results. I have this list of like 12 things that it says that I should have. And this man was in his 60s and he's, I don't have any of them, right? So there is still this mysterious component to genetics and why certain things show up for certain people. And we do know quite a bit in some cases around like breast cancer risk, for instance, or other conditions. When we see this, this is what we need to look for. Uh, but one thing that is very difficult for the average person to understand without really getting into all the details is that if I test you for something and you're negative, like, let me say, I, just out of the blue, I say, let me just test and see if you are going to get colon cancer and I'm looking at specific genes and you test negative. The only thing that tells me is that your risk doesn't come from the thing I tested for. Mm. It doesn't mean you don't have a risk. It, it doesn't mean that you won't get it. It doesn't mean that you won't get it from some other genetic thing we didn't look yep. at. Right. Yep. So yep. it's all that stuff. Curious, are there any like quick 
strategies that one could choose to implement in the way they live their life to give them the best odds of not getting the bad things that we are genetically dispositioned to get. Because I've heard before, like the person that laughs a lot versus the person that stresses out and cries a lot is going to be healthier, not just because they're happier, but it literally your body can have a negative response to stress. So being less stressed as an example. Yeah. Is that true? I think the standard, you know, advice around decrease your stress, don't eat a bunch of crap, don't drink too much, you know, all of those things are definitely they hold true, right? Because you don't know what predispositions you might have. And any one of those things could be considered a trigger for something down the road, especially if you're kind of chronically engaging in things that make you not feel good. Um, But unfortunately, there isn't any one size fits all type of thing, because there are so many different kinds of conditions and sometimes things really do happen for reasons we don't understand, right? So we don't understand it. There's a, there are biological or genetic reason for it, but we just aren't privy to that information. So I would say the best thing you can possibly do is follow the standard advice, but you know, do every, be as moderate as you can. Really what else can you do, right? You can't live in fear and you also shouldn't ignore when you feel like crap. <laughs> and, well, you know, the hard thing <laughs> calling you out on the sentiment of my, um, the standard advice. Today's world in 2023, the year we're recording this, standard advice is wildly different than call 100%. it 2003. And then you go to 1983. I mean, I, I was born in 81. And I remember when everyone was like, don't eat a lot of fat, like cut fat mm-hmm. out of your diet. Everything became no fat. Everything had sugar or corn syrup mm-hmm. and a lot of other things in it, but no fat. And then it got right. thrown upside down. Atkins diet became popular. I actually did Atkins in high school and lost a hundred pounds my senior year. Everyone said it was horrible. Then you had South Beach and all these low carb or sorry, yeah, low carb, high protein diets to help people that had diabetes. And I think now that's kind of the new messaging. But then you have people that are thin and have the disposition of staying thin no matter what they eat. And they'll argue, well, you got to have some of those carbs for your heavy, you know, your hard workouts. Mm-hmm. And I think that everyone is different and that everybody absolutely the thing that makes them feel good when it comes absolutely. to health and all of the other areas in our lives. But getting the Gino to match what is going to be best for you is such a wild concept. I love that ideology. And I know I told you off air and I'll share with our listeners, I've never shared this. I took one of the tests. I don't know if it was 23andMe or Ancestry.com. And if you have a company you think's better, feel free to share that. But it's like a hundred bucks. You can get the kit on Amazon. You go to the back, you go pee in like a tiny little thing and you send it in. And they literally will tell you where all of your family's from. But when they share that, everybody that you match to first, like generation, second, third, it'll show you like seventh cousins that live in Slovakia or wherever they are in the world. And you can literally reach out to these people if they say they are open to be contacted, but they also encourage everyone to share their health issues. And I think the intention is to create this map of, hey, I want to know what what should I be aware of? What are issues that my other cousins, second cousins, third cousins, fourth cousins have had? And it surprises me with how advanced we think medicine is that we haven't Mm -hmm. even come close to unpacking the genetics and having a formula, how amazing would it be? I talk all the time in business application about key performance indicators. If someone has the goal of making $100,000 a year and they want to sell real estate to do it, I know exactly what they have to do every day, every week, every month, every year. I've never had a doctor that could say to me, Jeff, if you want to weigh 195 pounds and be six and a half percent muscle and X, Y, Z, this is exactly the formula. If you follow it, this will be your result because everybody is so different. Is the excuse, but there should Mm -hmm. be a formula if we were good enough and science had evolved far enough 
they should be able to take my Gino and then say, this is what Jeff Cohn's Gino would need to do to have this certain result. Well, okay. So no, absolutely. And, and your, your point is well taken about what I said about standard advice. I think that the, the t- it's really the time-tested advice rather than fad advice that's based on a specific goal, right? Because then, yeah, I mean, you can do a South Beach diet and eat a thousand calories and almost die. So yes, you're going to lose weight, right? But that's not sustainable. Right. <laughs> um, but to your point about you know, being able to give somebody more of a formula to living their life, you know, there's, there's two things, two sides to that. The one is that there is a whole movement around something called nutrigenomics, which is literally about go get your DNA tested and we will tell you how and what you should eat. I have not tried that. It's definitely available. So it might be something to look into if you're interested. Um, and I, I've heard people anecdotally say it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. it. I've seen results. I feel better, all of that kind of stuff. The other piece is that we are filled with bacteria, right? Our gut, our body is just, is colonized with bacteria. And we're learning more and more about how, what's going on with those bacteria that are in our, in our bodies heavily influences our health, right? So that's not even just about your cellular DNA makeup. That's about the makeup, the genetic makeup of the things that live inside of you. And there's also, once again, lots of testing available around that around your gut microbiome and things like that, where they can give you some clues about, hey, if you're having trouble with this, this might be why. Here's how you can balance some of that stuff out. So there's lots of different dots that need to connect and probably lots of individual tools that could be super helpful to people. Uh, but they're just not mainstream, unfortunately, right? Like if you want to do sure. any of those things, you got to go pay out of pocket. And sure. so it's way easier to feed into the complex of the medical industry and let them continue to churn and burn and make money and prescribe medication. So there's always that capitalist background, you know, to keep in mind, it's a for-profit industry. Thing. Yeah, Industry, it is. Yep. And I, it always has bothered me. Sorry to throw some doctors under under the bus here, but I'm going to. I remember we went in, I was four, I was in college, we had had our first baby and I was making pretty much probably 18,000 a year working side jobs while finishing college. And I remember going into a doctor to get, we had a, our daughter was having ear infections, normal issue, right? For a baby. And they prescribed these little drops that she had put in her ears. And I remember asking the doctor what the cost was on the drops. And they said, I don't know. And I was like, well, I have to pay for these drops. Like I have no money. I'm a poor college student. They're like, how important is your daughter's health? The doctor who was making 400000 a year asking the college student had no money, pretty much guilting me. And the reason I was upset was they had prescribed two, two bottles of drop, droplets, not just one. And they were $300 each. And I bought two. Wow. We ended up clearing the issue up with one bottle and not even needing the second bottle. Just the disconnect there bothered me because the doctors make tons of money, but it's not for profit. But the doctor right. gets paid hundreds and hundreds of thousands, as they should, because they've put that much time and energy into their research. But there is a disconnect in the field in that it generates profit off of people's mistakes, off of people's weaknesses. And what doctor doesn't say, have a healthy diet, have a well-rounded diet. I mean, everybody prescribes that. Everyone says that. We choose not to do all of the things we know we're supposed to do. I had a great guest on, which we won't get into all of this today, but it's a lot of things I bet I would think you would agree to. Um, and it was a Terry Shanahan was the name of the guest. He was going to come on to talk about the investment property portfolio he had built. And we spent like 45 minutes talking about <laughs> the top seven things. And, you know, gut health was one of them. That's why I brought it up mm-hmm. as you were talking about all the bacteria. And you said you use the words colonization of bacteria. So as everyone <laughs> is sleeping tonight and you want as yet another thing to be anxious about, just think about the colonization of bacteria in your gut and have a nice night. 
That's right. I mean, they're good for you, though. You need those little buddies. You just need them to be in balance. (laughs) And if you want to change the colony, they actually prescribe human feces that you can eat. And it will help change the biology of your stomach. Am I right, doctor? Well, you just took it to another level. So now people are going to be thinking about that. But it is true. I know that's actually one of the things they do to treat a C. difficile infection, which is a bacterial infection. They... That's exactly what they do. So just avoid that scenario. If you don't want to be dealing with that. All right. So if you've made it this far and you were just here to learn how to scale a real estate team, here is the big question. Where is the parallel to all of this and business? Well, I don't know what the specific parallel is. However, I will say, um, you know, I think there are so many things in our lives that just mirror one another, we don't really think about it. So sometimes people will ask me, you know, how did you go from genetic counseling to being a mindset coach? Mm -hmm. And I'll say, you know, it's amazing how much that has prepared me, that very thing prepared me for this. Because as we were talking about, when you see somebody for genetics, you're usually in some kind of crisis. And there's a lot going on with you. You don't necessarily understand what it is. And there's this whole esoteric language and things that you have to learn, these complex, you know, concepts that you have to learn and understand in order to digest the information and do something with it. So genetics is like that. You have to learn how to, you know, be supportive and compassionate with someone who finds himself in a difficult spot. And you have to share hard to understand information with them. Mindset coaching for my type of clients is the same, right? So the people I work with are ready for some kind of a shift, whether it's because they've been in business and it's not going the way they want it to go or they've been in business and they want to start something new, or they want to take it to the next level. There is a transition period in there where whatever it is that you've been doing is not going to support what you want to do next, or it's not going to support you going to the next level. And those people often think like, I've got, I'm a shit show. There's too many different things going on. There's absolutely no way that anyone can help me take these thousand things and do something with it. And the reality is, it's not a thousand things. It is like three to five things the same three to five things are causing all of your problems. And so if we can identify those and you start to work on them, the power that that has in order to exponentially shift everything in your life is really remarkable. So the, the that's where I think this, the p- parallels with you know thinking about success and what you want to build and where you want to go. I think it can be really supportive to understand that sometimes if you run into roadblocks, like let's say you are successful and you're having a hard time taking yourself to that next level, it is because something needs to transition. It is because something in you needs to shift. And it's not always easy for us to personally identify what that is because we're in our own heads. And so we don't see clearly. You need someone else sometimes to reflect things back to you I and say, it. see how these dots connect. The same way that you used to play the middle person between the scientists and the salesperson, and you could speak both the languages. You can right. take the same thing with a business person who's kind of in their own space, maybe looking at everything too closely and you can kind of take a step out and help them see the bigger picture. When I was looking at my phone, I wasn't being rude and checking texts. I was actually looking up a quote that you reminded me of. It was by Albert Einstein. I didn't find it, but anyone can Google it. I'm going to kill the quote. You maybe heard of it before, but it was something like the solution to your problem yesterday isn't the same solution to your problem tomorrow. So it's like solving the problems that helped you get to where you are now won't be the same way you're going to solve the problems. And a hundred percent, anyone that's grown anything, scaled anything knows that that it's not a great analogy. I just thought of is like mowing a lawn. If you have grass in the city you live in and have to mow it, 
which I always grew up. That was one of my chores that I had to do. Imagine just mowing your own lawn takes an hour. Well, what if you had to mow the seven of the high schools that were closest to you? You probably wouldn't have used that tiny lawnmower that was the solution for mowing your lawn. You would have probably had to hire two or three crews with giant lawnmowers to go and mow. And oftentimes we, as individuals, make that huge mistake of thinking, oh, using the little lawnmower worked for my house. Yeah, I can do seven high school lawns and we'll use that individual mower and I'll mow it myself because it'll save me from having to hire somebody. And you're never going to be able to grow. You're going to keep trading time for money and continue to uh, give yourself a new job rather than owning a business that can leverage without you being necessary. Exactly. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up quotes because a quote that I love is by Carl Jung. And it's basically something like, um, if the path that you're on is, is, is super clear to you, then you're probably on somebody else's path. And I love that because it's the, the obsession that we have as people who are kind of type A and ambitious is to always be driving toward an outcome. Okay. We're, we always think like, I'm going to, this is my goal and I'm going to back up from that and I'm going to figure out what tasks and activities I need to do to reach that goal. And that is a really outdated way of setting goals. So here's why. Because the thing is, you may reach the goal and feel utterly dissatisfied by it and be confused. So let's say you have a monetary goal and you're like, this is my goal to make a million dollars in commission this year. Okay, cool. Why is it your goal? Well, because I made less than that last year. Okay. But why does that matter, right? You can ask why until you poke a bunch of holes in something and realize there probably are really legitimate reasons why you want to make that money because of what you want to do with it or what plans you have. But you have to be very dialed in to the intangible of goal setting, okay? So we are obsessed with measuring this much money, this many sales, build whatever, this much revenue. And we never really stop to think about how do you want to feel? Because there's magical thinking in there somewhere. You think that if you do that, you're going to be happy. If you do that, some other outcome. That is not how it works. The intention that is related directly to how you want to feel about it has to be part of the process. And this is how type A driven successful people can be amazing at achieving and shit at being fulfilled. 100%. You said it perfectly. Great job. And I know a lot of people listening are like, yep, been there. (laughs) Yeah, we hear we probably there now. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) here we are recording this episode, which it should air in the next in the first quarter of 2023. And a lot of people have just set goals. And a big part of our goal setting, we took some of this from the dream manager. I don't know if you've read that book before, but it's a great one for business people. Um, A gentleman's running a janitorial company. And he has about 900 janitors that work for him. And I won't steal the thunder of the book. But in essence, he came to realize that when people grow up and they're little kids, you know, five years old or 15 years old, they don't say one day I want to be a janitor. They took that job to make ends meet so that they could go and open up a store. They could go and be a painter, whatever was their life dream. And so the idea of the dream manager at a janitorial company was to provide all of the janitors, a financial planner, life coach, someone similar probably as your role to help people not be janitors. But having that mindset to recognize that he wanted or they wanted their janitorial company to be the vehicle to allow people to be in a position to live and lead the life of their dreams, even if that meant that those people would have to leave the company that was providing them the vehicle. And that is the highest level, I think, of leadership is to, I say, follow the platinum rule. The golden rule is do unto others as you'd like others to do unto you. The platinum rule is do unto others as others would like done unto them. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's choosing to be self-actualized or serve people at such a level that we want what's best for them. So in our world, we recommend that people create a vision board. The idea is that as images that represent what they want to achieve in the next 12 months to five years, and then they have to place key performance indicators that go along with the vision. So if your vision is to lose 60 pounds or to gain 60 pounds, you then would have to have actionables every day, week, month, year to gain 60 pounds or to lose 60 pounds, whatever your goal is around any area of your life. And then you'd have to have a coaching company you hired to help you be better at doing the thing that you said you'd have to do every day. And an accountability coach holds you accountable to doing the thing that you said you're going to do every day. And it's all these different pieces. And I love what you said. And that is explain why. Why do you want to gain 60 pounds? Why do you need to add? Why do you need a six pack? Why do you need to own a Louis Vuitton purse? Like, what's the whole reason behind that? Because what if we didn't have to spend 3000 on a purse and really all you needed was your best friend who was a bitch to you your whole life to tell you she thinks you're a good person and you didn't need mm-hmm. the Louis Vuitton purse to feel like a good person. You just needed your friend to say you're a good person. And all you needed to do is call her and say, hey, you never told me I was a good person and it's hurt my feelings for the last 40 years. And the friend says, well, you are a great person. I'm sorry. I never told you that. I didn't know that words of affirmation was your love language. And it took one minute to now you don't mm-hmm. have to go and make all this money to buy your Louis Vuitton purse. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a huge part of what I do with people is it gets real, 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 you know, because yes, I'm a coach, quote unquote, but I feel comfortable because of my counseling background to say like, we're going to dig into your background. What traumas have you had? Whose words are in your head? What are you telling yourself? Where is this outdated coping mechanism that you adopted because your parents neglected you, which makes you want to seek everybody else's validation? Like, there's so many things that show up in our adult life. And because we're a lot like computers and that we just do what we're programmed to do in a lot of ways. Uh, but we don't get to do, run a virus scan, right? Like we have to do that ourselves. There's no piece of downloadable software that's going to clean up that mess. You've yeah. got to do it. Well, you honestly, do it the scary thing is we, there's a constant virus scan, go out and see what people post on social media. True, that's a result true. of the viruses that they have. So like, yeah. to feel like you have to get social media validation of your success is obviously exuding weaknesses that you have inside of you. And it's mm-hmm. right there in front of everyone. And people that are doing it are doing the very thing they don't want everyone to know. And we know if you're constantly happy right. with your significant other every day and you're posting how much you love each other, we know you have a problem. We know the exactly. marriage isn't going well. And you think you need right. to post that for the world to, to get us to believe it. We know that you have problems. So I think I had a whole joke and I think we should do this where society starts to pivot. And instead of bragging about how our lives are so perfect, which they're obviously not, we start priding ourselves on posts about how hard things are. So about two years ago, I took a hard fall on my hot tub deck and I looked so ridiculous. I was in a robe. I'm carrying my water in one hand and I have a phone in the other and I'm marching across the hot tub deck and I hit black ice. And I do this like Looney Tunes fall. And I'm a big dude. I weigh 300 pounds. So I do this like Looney Tunes fall. I almost catch myself because I'm pretty nimble and quick on my feet, but you can't beat black ice. So I fall hard and right away, we go and look at the security cameras. Sure enough, it's caught it. And my dad's like, you should post that to Facebook. Well, instantly I'm like, I don't want people to see me fall. That's embarrassing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I'm always talking about authenticity, right? Not worrying about what other people think and showing people you're just a regular person. Of course, walking out to be in your hot tub on whatever day it was. And I was like, fine, I'm going to post it. That is currently the video on my social that's gotten the most amount of views. People love I believe it. Feel. I, th- I think it's so funny that you bring that up because um, I also fell on black ice many years ago, but I was walking into my work when I worked in corporate and had a huge audience because it was when everybody was coming to work and I fell in front of everyone and I broke my right ankle in multiple places. And 
I had to be picked up by ambulance and I had to have oh, surgery. No. Like it was the whole nine yards, but I, I can totally relate. I was like, yeah, I did that. And there were lots of witnesses and you know, I mean, that's <laughs> sometimes but the way it's life, life, man, it's sometimes life. we fall on yeah. black ice and it's okay to let people know that like, you're not perfect. Wow. Surprise. Right. Shocking. You're not perfect. So um, appreciate everyone that's made it this far. Of course, I would love for you to share with everyone how they could get in touch with you, how they could hire you. Before we get to that, I want to invite anyone and everyone that has yet to take advantage of our elite real estate systems team leader coaching. We bring you agent training every Monday, Wednesday for all of your agents, team leader training in a group setting every Thursday. And then we even do investor training, mortgage title and insurance company training as well for your strategic partners to create more value for them. To find out any information about all of the elite real estate systems, coaching and training that we provide, as well as all upcoming events, go out to growwithers.com. And how do we get in touch with you? So a few different ways, you know, I, I'm kind of with you on social media. I'm not a huge social media person for the reasons that you, that we spoke about, but I am there sometimes. So you can find me. Um, I don't know if you have show notes or something where you'll put the spelling of my mm-hmm. name for everybody, but sure. you can find me at my first and last name, MackieMasavi.com. That's my handle for Instagram. That's where you can find me on LinkedIn. I have written and published a book. Um, it came out in 2019. It's called The High Achievers Guide. And it's actually all about the things that we've been talking about in terms of how to identify what might be standing in your way and to shift that. And you can find that on Amazon. So again, you can search either The High Achievers Guide or my name. And then I also just started a podcast for me to ramble. I'm not planning on interviewing people, but I find that when I just kind of do some stream of consciousness... I am able to communicate some stuff that is helpful to people. And I've just started, but it's called The Musings of a High Achiever. And that is on Spotify and Apple and all the places. So if anybody listens to that and wants to rate or review it and read the, reads my book and wants to rate or review it, if you want to do that and send me an email, a screenshot, I would be happy to set up a 3.30 minute call to just chat with you about anything you want to talk about. Um, so I can continue to build up you know, an audience for those. Cool. Well, that's an amazing offer. There you go, you guys. Free 30-minute call if you go out and do what she just suggested. So rewind that and re-listen to it. And just for just in case someone is listening and they're not going to go into the show notes, why don't you just spell the name real quick? Sure. My name is... First name is Mackie, M-A-K-I. Last name is M-O-U-S-S-A-V-I. All right. Perfect. That, that .com, you'll find me. Awesome. Great topic today. It was unique something that no one's ever come on and talked about. So we really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy day. And it was exciting to have one of our fellow Midwesterners on the podcast. Great job today. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. It was great. It was fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah.